0: Returning to our conversation, which is like this ongoing dialogue with Bill English from BibleInBusiness.com about the leadership lessons we learn from the life of David. Hey, welcome back.
1: Hey, thank you. Glad to be back.
0: Hey, if people go to BibleInBusiness.com, what what kinds of things are they going to find there?
1: Oh, my gosh. They're going to find embryonic versions of my book (laughs) (laughs) that I am writing at glacial speeds. Uh, they're going to find – but, you know, one of the things they're going to find is an opportunity to uh, join a CEO group or a, a business owners group. Uh, I'm not sure how we're going to constitute that yet, but I've been trying to get a group of business owners together so that I can uh, – how do I say this? Prove the model, right? Because at Bible and Business, I have an – a Christian business reference architecture out there that basically says, if you're going to run a business God's way, here's the things that you need to consider, not only from a practical standpoint, uh, but, but a spiritual standpoint as well. And I'd, I'd love to get a group of business owners together to try the material out and have them implement what I've been learning from the Lord over the last 10 years or 12 years, and have them implement it in their business and see if it really doesn't improve their marriages, their families, their business, businesses their employee relations their customer relations that kind of thing so I've been trying to find uh, some business owners to do a group like that and uh, that's one of the things that they will find out there
0: all right very cool and, all right oh, so and,
1: and by the mm-hmm. way if if they are liking this um, this series on the leadership lessons from the life of David the powerpoints that I use to initially teach this at church are also available for download for free'
0: so. very cool that's so great. All right. Yeah. So remember, you can go to com, and you can like get what we're talking about today. Uh, we are in 1 Samuel chapter 20. Let's just review what happens there.
1: Okay. 1 Samuel 20, there's a new moon feast that Saul is going to throw, or a, a banquet in, in respect for the new moon feast. And David is supposed to be there. Now, David is described in other parts of Samuel as having like the wisdom of an angel, I think is the phrase that that, that is used. And David suspects that Saul is going to once again try to kill him. We've talked about this now for for several weeks. And so David goes to Jonathan and basically says, look, I don't want to show up because I don't want to die. And Jonathan says, my dad doesn't do anything without telling me he's not going to kill you. He hasn't said anything to me. David says, "Yeah, I'm not feeling so good about this. And so David decides to give Jonathan a story. Uh, He had to go to his family in order to attend some kind of an annual feast, and that's why he isn't going to be able to attend the new moon feast. Jonathan uh, basically lies to his dad and says David isn't here because uh, he's with his family. Saul gets extremely angry. In fact, he gets so angry that he tries to kill Jonathan because he thinks Jonathan is siding with David against him. Saul is unsuccessful at killing Jonathan. Jonathan and David meet. They realize that this relationship between David and Saul is over. It's kaput. You're never going to put it back together. And they weep very hard because they know that their parting is probably the last time the two of them will see each other. And, uh, and they part. And uh, that's where basically 1 Samuel 20 ends. That's, that's really a quick summary of 1 Samuel 20.
0: Do you have a favorite part of this story, like something that always stands out in your mind?
1: uh, When they're crying and saying goodbye. Mm -hmm.
0: Right? It's so, I mean, this is intimate friendship. This is the real deal.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the real deal. And I see this in ministry. I'm sure you do too. I see this in ministry a lot. You'll see missionaries who are great friends go two, three, four, five years without seeing each other. And they just cry when they meet and they cry when they leave.
0: You know, I'm thinking there, Paul on the on the beach in Ephesus, right? There's that tremendous scene with the Ephesian elders. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like so similar, right? When you when you're parting ways,
1: when God knits our hearts together in ministry, there is a bond there that is very deep and visceral and intimate. And when we leave, it's really tough. It's really tough. I think
0: tough. I think this is the scene. When um, when Eugene Peterson uh, entitles the the book "Leap Over a Wall," which talks about the sacrament of friendship between David and Jonathan, I think this is the scene he's referring to in the in the title. Um, anyway, it's uh, this is this is powerful First Samuel twenty. It's a, it's a powerful chapter about um, about real friendship, what it looks like for the heart of one person to be knit to the heart of another, and and to do so and to live in such a way that's just genuinely sacrificial. Um, Jonathan is is a sacrificial friend um, in this and, and this friendship points beyond itself to, to some kingdom realities. And I think we need to always remember that as well. Um, So let's take a quick break. When we come back, um, we're going to, we've got some listener feedback about how we're supposed to pronounce the name of uh, Saul's daughter to whom David is married. And so Deborah, who is listening to us has offered up an answer to the question. And I will read that right when we come back, you're listening to mornings with Carmen. I'm talking with bill English. About the leadership lessons we can learn from the life of David. In Hebrew, you construct a word with uh, what we would call three consonants. So they're tetramograms, right? No? Three? Three
1: syllables. Tetra. No.
0: So, yeah. So, well, that's why we say, you know, there's this ineffable tetemogram, right? There's the one that you're not allowed to say. And that's Yahweh. Like, wait, we add those vowels in and then we say it anyway. But the Jews didn't. So that was four syllables. And so that was a really unique Hebrew word because most of them only have three. So what we know is that Saul's daughter is MKL. I mean, in terms of the but what we don't know is how many syllables that is, because we don't really know where the stops should be. And the vowel pointing comes in very late. So I am going to go with Deborah's um, contribution here, which uh, recognizes that there would be a Hebrew pronunciation of this. And it's either Mikael or Mikael, but probably some variation of that, remembering that what it really means is who is like God. So, Bill, say it any way you want. Who did David marry?
1: Mikael. Mikael. I'll I'll go with Mikael. Okay. So what
0: do you want to say? What do you want to say about that?
1: About the marriage?
0: Well, I don't know. Where do you want to go from here in the conversation?
1: I think leaders. uh, Jonathan and David represent a situation where, at least from a leadership perspective, where leaders need deeply personal friendships who understand their leadership challenges, as well Mm -hmm. as the inner world of what a leader goes through. Uh, Jonathan got it. Jonathan was a good leader in and of himself. If, If you actually read through the scriptures, he won battles. He did a lot of things that... I think he was just as competent as David was. It's just that he didn't have God's call. God Mm. didn't want him in that position of being a king for whatever reason. And in his humility, he was able to submit himself to David. But boy, leaders need deeply personal friendships. And I got to tell you, from working with a lot of business owners, most business owners are really isolated people. They are islands. They don't have anybody that they can talk to. And they don't really seek out friendships or relationships where they can get intimate and be able to talk to somebody. And I think that's a real that's a real danger uh, for business owners and for ministry leaders.
0: So um, I am familiar with, uh, you know, efforts like C12 and Convene and Pinnacle Forum. This is obviously a real need. And, you know, and you're talking about um, a CEO forum that folks can join in BibleBusiness.com um there uh, this is a felt need people know this instinctively and i think that the question that we want to just lift up to people is who is your jonathan yeah and and maybe you are a jonathan in, in which case the the conversation goes the other way who is your david right i mean right. this was a real friendship this was not just a one way like let me use this guy kind of uh i need you know it's not david saying i need jonathan for what jonathan can do for me um this is a real heart level relationship that um, that's that's significant in both directions. So if you are Jonathan, who is your David and what does it look like to, you know, subordinate you know, to, to lead from what I would call the second chair? Right. Um, and then if you're David, if you're you know, if you are the recognized leader of an organization, who is your Jonathan? Like this is essential in terms of uh, of recognizing that we are not lone rangers and we're not meant to just go it alone.
1: And it goes against the, uh, you know, pull myself up by my own bootstraps mentality where I'm I'm going to build this thing by myself and I'm going to rely on myself and I believe in myself and everything is about me. Uh, That's not how the scriptures portray leadership. And that's not how I think God portrays business ownership or ministry leadership. You are absolutely right, Carmen. We have to be in relationship with other people and uh, you can be both, by the way, one other thing, you can be both a David and a Jonathan. So you might be leading an organization and have a Jonathan within your organization or outside of it. In another sense, you might become someone else's Jonathan as they lead their organization or their project or their business. So you can be both.
0: So my Jonathan uh, is, is probably Jessica. So there you go. Jessica is probably listening right now. So there you go. Thank you. I acknowledge I uh, acknowledge the Jonathan nature of uh, of our friendship. Um Bill, when we talk about um this the personal nature of this. Yes. Um there are a number of things that Jonathan provides. Talk about what Jonathan provides in in this relationship with David.
1: Well, in 1 Samuel 20, what well, what you can pull away from there is that first he provided a larger picture, a larger context around David that David could then understand. Remember, he says, my dad doesn't do anything without talking to me first. And so Jonathan was able to provide to David context insight about what Saul was thinking and planning to do. And even Jonathan, I think, was taken aback here by the strength of Saul's anger and the fact that Saul tried to kill him I think that was an unexpected piece for Jonathan, but he was able to provide that larger picture. The other thing that he provided to David was this buffer protection piece where Jonathan stood up to Saul on behalf of David, uh, again, to the point where Saul tried to kill him. And uh, lastly, I think he, um, he really provided love and support because he knew David's call. He supported David's call, and he uh, had covenanted with David that he would he would be his greatest fan, so to speak. And uh, he liked uh, the trajectory that God had David on, and Jonathan fully supported it. And I, to me, that love and support is just visceral to their friendship.
0: This, um, this truth that we do need people to validate our sense of call. Yes, uh, we can know we're called to something. We can have a very strong sense of that, but then circumstances can move in, you know, in a way that wow, lead us to doubt or hesitate or be uncertain. We need people uh, who can see who we are and what we're called to be and do, um, and then for them to step up and validate that. Uh, encourage people to to offer that in one another's lives today.
1: Yes, please do, because if Satan could could get at all of us who know our calls, and give 50% of us to doubt it and back away from it, he could really do damage to the church at large. Uh, without people fulfilling their calls, the church doesn't move forward.
0: Yeah, and that means that every part needs to do its part. Yes. And, every, and every person, you know, no, not everybody can be the mouth or the eyes or the ears uh, or the hands, but everybody does have a role and a responsibility to play. And there really is no lesser part in terms of, uh, I mean, if the body of Christ didn't have people out there who were the feet of it, um, it would get nowhere. Right. Right, It would. Yeah. And so um, I think that we we tend to imagine that the person at the head of the organization, although important, we tend to also imagine that they are the most important. And there's really equal importance when it comes to the various parts of the body. And Jonathan is Equally important here to the unfolding story of God's will in human history um, and and understanding who he is and how he needs to validate and support David in David's call.
1: Right. Stratification of importance in organizations is an American, I, I dare say, potentially sinful construct that the Bible does not support. Interesting so interesting.
0: All right. Hey, uh, thank you so much. That is Bill English. You can check out what he's doing at Bibleandbusiness.com. You can download the lessons that we are talking about uh, from the leadership, uh, the leadership lessons in the life of King David. You can get those there. You can also check out what he's doing with CEO forums and all kinds of other great stuff. Hey, Bill, thanks so much.
1: Hey, thank you. Have a good day.
0: You too. We'll be right back.
1: When the road looks rough ahead